Ira, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scars and Golden Goal Press. This is Ira Jersey. With me today is Jason sporting his Toronto FC jersey today. The Giant Killers. Uh, we'll talk about them later. That match was uh, was fun. It was earlier today, the first game of Week 10 in the books. Toronto decided it was going to mess with Texas. Yeah. So they don't. Uh, they don't believe in the phrase "don't mess with Texas." <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's go to the news. Uh, firstly, Orlando City B and the uh, Orlando Pride will be moving to a new training facility uh, away from their Montverde Academy and to um, uh, next door to Kissimmee. And this new training facility will be opened uh, next season. Uh, it looks like a nice facility. They're going to have, uh, you know, obviously the renderings are always probably nicer than the reality, but uh, there'll be four full-size pitches as well as weight rooms and, and other other facilities. So uh, uh, the academy will also be there. You know, th- this is, you know, not, not huge news, but Jason, you know, this is just another step, I think, in the development of, uh, of, of the youth systems that some of these clubs are trying to uh, aim for. Yep, and uh, talking earlier, Phil Grooms from the USL show pointed out uh, this is what Real Monarchs did as well, um, and it's a pretty much a separation of the academy and youth team to the pro team. So it's still a good path, you know, pro- path to professional, but it's also still marketing and kind of you get the idea that you're on a separate team and not just an academy or two side. Okay. Uh, in other news, we had our first international friendly against a uh, against one of our teams. Forward Madison lost four nil to Hertha Berlin in front of a sellout four thousand seven hundred and thirty one uh, person crowd at Breeze Stevens Stadium. Uh, I didn't get a chance to to see this match at all, and but uh, but you know it sounds like it was probably lively. Jason, did you have a, a chance to see any of it? I d- I did not. Um, I saw the. Saw the highlights. Uh, uh, Ford always does a great job with their social media. It looked fun, and it just shows, you know, we were we were hyping Ford all offseason and their fans and seeing, hey, are they really going to show up? Is it going to be one of the things to where everyone just cares about the branding and not the play on the field? But they've created an environment out there and an atmosphere and just a culture that I think is just going to keep growing. Um, despite how the team is playing, obviously when they're winning, it'll be more enthusiastic. But I mean, man, what they've done has been great for not just their city but the league. And quite frankly, you know, having having your first team play against a team that's that's likely to be better, like Hertha Berlin, is only going to benefit the players because ultimately if they see the speed of play, they see you know how good the players themselves are, but also the chemistry of those players. And and even though it's a four nil defeat, I'm sure the players themselves got something out of it other than just the atmosphere. Yeah, and I, and you know, those players probably never ever thought that they would experience something like that. Right. And especially in America, you know, like it's your dream to play against one of the top European clubs and here you did it. hundred percent. There's also uh, some, a lot of international soccer to go. So we have the women's world cup going up, uh, coming up. We have the gold cup for the men coming up here in, in the U S uh, we've already had the U uh, 17 CONCACAF championship. We had the U 20 CONCACAF championship. And right now, uh, we have the U20 World Cup going on over in Poland. Um, Jason, did you have a chance to see either of the United States games over the, the last week? I did. I got to watch the uh, Nigeria game, and I got to watch uh, 
Soto and Mendez and them just tear it up. So that was fun to watch. Love Memorial Day weekend. So uh, this is of interest to us directly because we had two players on the pitch in both of those matches who both play in USL League One. Uh, first was Ababak Arcada, who uh, you know I highlighted when he first went on loan from Columbus down to the Richmond Kickers. And uh, he's actually played 180 minutes. He played uh, center back for both of those matches. Um, you know, he played a little bit outside on the wing, I think, for the kickers. Elliot can talk a little bit about that. But it seems to me that maybe, you know, center back might be a better position for him, given, you know, he, he, he was not at fault for either of the goals against the Ukraine. Maybe he could have done better tracking back, uh, and some of his passing wasn't great. But the fact is, is that he looked decent. And the fact that he, you know, got the start against Nigeria, I think, shows you how, um, uh, you know, Tab Ramos really, really values him. Yeah, and when you kind of look at that back line, I think he's needed. Um, and so you saw against Nigeria, Mark McKenzie came in and immediately gave up uh, a foul, which was th- you know just thankfully called offside. Um, but I think that's kind of the weakness right now is at that center back. And so I think you're right. I think with him, if he gets caught up, he's not great at tracking back. So the closer you have him the goal and the closer you have him to intercept those passes and win the aerial duels, that's where he's at his best. And so I think Tab sees that, and I think that's why um, he's playing at center back. And hopefully that's kind of where, you know, like Coach Bulow's looking at that and saying, okay, maybe I can have him and Janowski as that one-two in the center back and just never lose a ball. Uh, in the box or in the air ever again. And then may- maybe uh, Akwe can move forward. And, and we'll get to you in a second because Elliot from River City 93 just joined us. Uh, we, but let's talk just very briefly, Jason, about Brandon Cervania, who uh, you know might have been missed today by uh, North yeah. Texas SC. But he did play. He played the full 90 uh, against against Ukraine in, in uh, the U.S. 2-1 loss last week. And then he uh, came on and, and had about, uh, if memory serves, about 20 minutes against Nigeria. You know, he looked okay. I didn't think looked great. I, I think he was playing a little bit out of position. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he was playing too. back as like a six, like a holding midfielder instead of more as an eight or kind of a 10. So, you know, did you, do you think about his play, Jason? Yeah, I felt the same, but I did think it's interesting because I, when I watched this, obviously Tab Ramos has a different style um, than Burhalter in the men's national team. But at the same time, you know, Burhalter is going to be looking, he's going to want, guys that he knows can kind of get into his system, you know, effectively and not have to retrain. And it's going to be interesting to see if Tab Ramos actually starts kind of using Burt Holter's position or system. And I think that he is better in Burt Holter's system or has more of the ability to showcase his skills in Burt Holter's um, system, which is why maybe he was playing in that kind of holding field role to just kind of show, you know, yeah, we need this for the U20 team, but also he has the ability to do it and has the playmaking field. And so when you look at Burt Holter's system, a six that can move up and make a play, like, you know, he loves Will Trap. So if he can imitate Will Trap and be that kind of player, I think that's when he has a chance to really start making those camps for the men's national team. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, if we play something like a four-one-four-one, uh, then yeah, you know, if he's that six, that that concerns me a little bit. Um, but we can talk about that later. If we, you know, <laughs> we want to get into the knockout stages in a couple of weeks, which looks like we will because the way this tournament works is uh, there are third-place teams that make it. So, uh, and I think at worst, this uh, at this point, we can come in uh, come in third. But Elliot from River City '93, we were just going through some news here and and talking about one of your one of your boys, Abubakar Arcada. Sure, you know, at the U20s, uh, you know, how excited are you to see that, that guy in the international stage? Well, actually, we have two. Chris Durkin, 
Oh. Open. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. Let's say let's say currently on the roster. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's exciting to see. Um, I was kind of shocked at first to see that he was going to start at center back, but um, given his skill set and what he can offer, I can see why Ty probably started him against Ukraine. I think the original thing was they probably thought Ukraine was um, probably going to press up high in that bunker as much. And Keita, you know, I love Keita as much. I think he's a great talent, but he he's not the best center back with, his, with the ball at his feet. He's a lot better with the balls in the air when he can use his physicality. So that kind of worked against him in the Ukraine game. The Nigerian match, I think that worked better for him. Um, I do, however – want to see Kata take the next step and probably in order for him to make the next step and the next step is getting to the senior man's national team with Belter. He has to be able to play with his feet. That I think that's the one thing um he requires from his center backs is to be able to play not the sideways pass, but more of that breaking the lines ball. Um that's the one thing I think Kata needs to work on. And yeah, I agree. Hopefully he doesn't pass it backward like he did uh no. <laughs> I hope right. backwards ever again. <laughs> yeah, that was that that one for those of you who didn't see it led to a goal uh in one of their matches uh not not so long ago. Uh so with that let, let's get to some results. Last Friday I'm, uh, we're going to skip over the matches that we reviewed uh last week that uh had occurred just before we uh went went live. Uh let's talk about uh the Friday match. Uh it was Toronto FC uh 2 scored one goal. Uh, versus <laughs> FC Tucson, which, who scored no goals. Uh, it was Jordan Pruz in the 37th minute. Um, interestingly, in this match, you know, who wanted it more? Uh, TFC2 had four yellows, which isn't particularly high, but um, but FC Tucson had zero yellows. So, you know, it just – Which I very surprising because when we played FC Tucson, they were, like, very physical. Like. Well, that, yeah, and that's their whole thing. They They – physically beat you in the midfield to get the ball and spring those counterattacks. And that's why they didn't score a goal because it wasn't really happening against Toronto. Yeah. I also think in, in this particular match too, is, is TFC did a good job shutting down Delgado. I mean, Delgado only had 18 passes on the night and only 60% passing accuracy, 61% passing accuracy. So, you know, if Delgado is not being creative and as one of their midfielders, it, it seems to me that, that, you know, Tucson is just not particularly dangerous. I mean, it was hard. You know, Tucson was on the road. They had to go up north. But still. Going up north seems to be like a fortress for them because they seem to be getting teams with those wins up there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the whole league, though. You know, it's just your home home teams are winning. I don't know, even today, right? Like, it's just, it's it seems like, and that's probably because this is the furthest these teams have traveled at this consistent rate and it's something that they have to get used to but yeah like that that just seems to be the theme i think we're only at nine wins still or after i think was chattanooga yeah chattanooga was home so we're still at nine wins 10 weeks into the season for our for away teams so yeah i think that's just the trend yeah did anyone else have anything else about this match i mean it was you know tfc outshot uh outshot tucson 15 to 7 uh you know tucson was yeah. taken most of their shots from outside the box. They actually had no shots on target, uh, Tucson. So, you know, I, I, I credit this. And when I watched this match, it was really, you know, Toronto's back line was pretty good. But I, I think Tucson just wasn't into it. I, I think it was more more Tucson's, Tucson's lack of creativity as opposed to, you know, TFC doing anything special defensively. 
I also think a big part of it was Toronto was just as physical with Tucson. And a lot of times Tucson is the more physical team like we talked about. And Toronto was just as physical. Um, and then Tariq Muhammad played extremely well on both sides of the ball. Three interceptions, two clearances. And he won 11 of his 16 duels, which is so important because when he's winning that against you know Tucson, they're not able to get into their groove. And then also he's passing 75% in the opponent's half, which is important because you know it's coming from crosses. And that's what he did. He created two successful crosses. And I just think that, like you said, Toronto wanted it more. They were more aggressive. They, they Both teams had great buildup, but it was that Jordan Peruza individual effort that was the difference, right? And that's when, that's when talent comes through. And him just taking the ball from midfield, taking people on, and then the give-and-go with Schaffelberg, just a beautiful goal. And, yeah, Toronto wanted it more. And – Shout out to Ejimadu who kept Tucson in the game. He he there's two chances um for Peruza early and he or two chances early and he stopped Peruza one on one with one of them. Easily the fastest keeper off his line. Anytime there's a one on one, he's basically outside of his box in two, three seconds flat. So person he reminds me of like a power forward, like just how like built he is. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah, and he, and he makes quick decisions, which you want to see in a goalkeeper, right? That's like, okay, I'm, if he says, I'm going out, I'm going out. And I'd rather have a goalkeeper just say that and get caught than a goalkeeper that's hesitant and is going to get caught regardless. So, uh, you know, with, with Tucson, I think also, too, they just they struggle a bit on the road. Um, and we're going to we're going to see that. Those are the longest trips. It's going to be tough for them. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the next match of the week, uh, we had on uh, on Saturday. It was the Chattanooga Red Wolves against oh, oh the Green <laughs> oh, against boy. the Greenville Triumph. Who uh, this match uh, was not particularly pretty. It was zero zero until the ninety fourth minute, when off of a set piece, uh, there was some action within the box, and Eamon Zayed was able to put one away in the ninety fourth minute you know elliot do you want to start us off with uh with this one so first off this is the game that i decided to watch on saturday and i was really thinking like all right greville's about to work chattanooga like i'm finally going to see chattanooga score more than one goal in a game and i don't know what it was it was like chattanooga and greenville like swap places like greenville looked very slow they, they created chances but it wasn't those chances that you expected them to make, like to not make. And Chattanooga, I, I give them the credit on the world. I've ragged on them before, but they they won the second ball, something that Chattanooga for a long time, like even you, Jason, hopped on, something that they struggled on doing. And I, look, for them to score a 94th minute goal, I didn't expect them to even attempt a shot on goal. I thought they were just going to bunker and be like, look, we got a point. Let's get something positive going after what they've been playing. And actually, that was their only shot on target, yep. just so you know. So they had four <laughs> shots on the day, and their only shot on target was Eamon Zayed's goal in the 94th minute. So, you know, you, you could argue, I think, that that perhaps Greenville, you know, d- deserved to win just based on the stats. But, you know, soccer is not always a uh, stat-oriented match, as some people would say, because, you know, Greenville outshot, uh, outshot Chattanooga uh, – 15 to four and they had four shots on target compared to one. I mean, otherwise, you know, they, they had, they were similar in tackles. They had about the same amount of passes. And just to show you how, you know, 
a normal game where there's a lot of possession and passing, you wind up with, you know, well over 400 passes. In this mm-hmm. game, neither team had over 400 passes. So just um, – I mean, no. Greenville to me seems like – I mean, Greenville is what only scored five goals in the league and only gave up five. So they're a team that's not going to create a whole bunch of chances, but when they have a chance, they're going to try to execute it, perf- execute it the best of their ability. But it seems like the way how you would beat Greenville is – Pretty much just take take the ball from them. Don't allow them to get up to your 18-yard box. Pretty much slow down possession for them and kind of frustrate them. Limit their chances whenever you get the chance. And it seemed like Chattanooga did that. Even though they barely only took a shot on goal, that seemed like the game plan they wanted to execute. So we're not going to talk about why Chattanooga actually won this game. We're not going to talk about Alex Mangels, the player I mean, of the look, week. Four amazing – right. No, like, if I'm a Greenville fan, I'm definitely frustrated, right? Greenville had nine key passes compared to Chattanooga's two. They had four of their 16 crosses successful, right, which is great. That's easily their best ratio of the year. They're cutting down on their crosses, and the crosses they are putting in are better crosses, and that's for Muhammad, who created three of them. Um, and they played – they they dominated. They Greenville's uh, pressing – they were pressing as soon as they lost the ball and getting it back. Uh, Keegan was shooting early, which I like to see. They played an excellent game, except Mangels was not letting any shots in. He kept them in the game. Uh, I mean, and they were game-saving saves. It wasn't just like going up and grabbing the ball. These were amazing saves, and he and that's what Chattanooga does. You just let them hang around. You let them hang around, and all it takes is one good cross or one opportunity for them. Like you said, one shot on goal, and they did it. Greenville had seven corners and they couldn't take advantage of. You have to take advantage of those chances. And then Chattanooga took advantage of their one chance, and that was the key difference. Um, you know, I as a Greenville fan, yeah, it's, it's probably frustrating because you knew that you should have won that game, or at the very least, you, you should have drew, right? Chattanooga walked in there without their two best defensive players. So Dixon and Moulin were out, and then – Caparelli got hurt, um, I think, in the first half in like the 24th minute. So Chattanooga is about to have to play their new mascot uh, in that midfield position or in defense. But the point is, Greenville they are literally take, the injury squad. Yeah, but like, Greenville has like the to take, whole squad is on IR. That Greenville has to take advantage, and they did it. Um, you know, and that's like we said, week after week, they've been hanging on because of their defense. They need a score. It's as simple as that, and they're not going to be one of the they top. Need, they need a more clinical finisher. I mean, that, that's something that's something that we've talked about in the show a whole yeah. bunch of times. They and, need someone outside of Beatty. Like I feel like Beatty is. No, we're talking about. We're no, talking about Greenville. Yeah, we're talking about Greenville. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Chattanooga. The thing is, is that you have Beatty and Zayed, and if you close those two guys down, then Chattanooga has. You know, then they don't really have a third option. Yeah. Um, and Greenville, the, the Greenville's problem is they don't have a first option, right? So, so yeah. And and that's uh, yeah. You, you know, I, as much as we might like Keegan, he's just he's not the clinical finisher that the team needs. I, I think he would be better as a as kind of a second striker with someone else who's more can run off him and is more clinical. But but yeah, shout I out do the, feel like he's out of position. Alex Mangle oh, yeah. easily. I mean, like that. Like Greenville should have won that game. He he single-handedly won that game for Chattanooga, and they'd probably be in last place right now if it was not for him. When you look at the games that they won and the games that he have kept them in, yeah, 
I mean, and, uh, I'd, I'd like to give a shout out to Leo uh, Fola as well. I mean, he had two tackles, 10 clearances, one interception. You know, one uh, thing that I noticed was, um, you know, Greenville kept coming down the kind of the right hand side of uh, uh, their right hand side, Chattanooga's left hand side. And, you know, Fola, uh, you know, he was able to shut down a lot of people, a lot of dangerous attacks coming down uh, his side of the pitch that uh, in that match. And um, <laughs> and then interestingly, after after the uh, the goal in the 94th minute, he got a yellow for excessive celebration uh, <laughs> so for, for time for wasting uh, time delay. So, but anyway, I will say, uh, Chattanooga does have some hope with creativity. I think Cisse is really good. I think with him right now, and it's just because he's just playing these games, he's taken one too many touches. Uh, he's he gets one on one with the keeper, and instead of trying to shoot early, uh, he's overthinking it and having these one extra touches and giving keepers a chance to get in position or take the ball away. But I do think because right now that's what Chattanooga lacks the most is creativity. He can be a player that's a spark for them and can really open up. Uh, the field and allow Beattie and Zai to get in position. Excellent. Well, let's move on to the next match of the night. And that was, um, that was South Georgia Tormenta zero and Lansing Ignite zero in this match. You didn't have any goals for me to talk about, but we did have uh, possession was 56, 44 to the home side to Tormenta. Uh, Tormenta was offside. Five times compared to two. They had six corners compared to two. They had 11 shots compared to three. They had three shots on target compared to zero. And 21 tackles compared to 15. I mean, every single stat said here that South Georgia probably should have won this match, maybe 1-0. They they were definitely on the front foot. Um, I didn't have a uh, – you know, I, I watched large portions of this match. But it, it seemed to me that, that you know, this was really tormented – probably should have won this match. Lansing had, you know, uh, one or two dangerous chances, but that was about it. Elliot, did you have a chance to see any of this match? Uh, I went back and watched the highlights, and I got to say I was kind of disappointed in Tormenta. Like I, like you said, like all the stats go in Tormenta's favor, and it seemed like – it just seemed like one of those games they could have kept playing for another three hours and Tormenta would have never scored. I don't know what it is against Lansing. I don't know what it is. I mean, look, they beat in my team, what, two out of the three? They got seven out of a possible nine points against the kickers this season. You don't have to bring up the points. I'm not trying to think about that. But, I mean, from this Lancer squad, Lancer squad definitely, I seem like they had, they seem like they had the game plan on pretty much, all right, let's just pretty much frustrate the heck out of Tormenta. And that's what it seemed like they did. It seemed like Tormenta, the beginning part of the game, they played it as a team, and now near the end, it kind of just went like, all right, whoever gets it, try to take a shot on goal. Like, it just seemed like it became very individualistic, and that's the thing that Tormenta has to stick away from because the best thing about them is they play as a complete team, you know? Well, I thought that uh, just like the Chattanooga game, um, Stephen Cleveland kept them in it, right? He's birthday boy. Um, had some three great saves that kept Lansing in it and pretty much gave them the point they needed. Um, he was great. I think when you had that affiliation with Chicago and those players came down, you wondered how they would fit in, and he's easily hopped into that goalkeeper position and has taken that position as a starter for the rest of the year or as long as he's available. Um, he did. He was great at uh, stopping goals and also great at st- or throwing the ball out fast for counters, which is what Lansing needs, right? When Lansing, if he gets the ball and grabs it, throw that out to Toomey or Steve or whoever's on the side and get it moving. 
Um, I think that that Lansing played for this draw. Um, when you look at where Xavier Gomez was, he when he he's their, he's their creative player. Lansing only had two created chances in the whole game, and he was the one that created both of them. But the, he was playing so far back. Those created chances came at the 40-yard mark. They weren't anywhere close to the final third. And I think that's what Lansing wanted to do, right? And you saw Lansing came out. They pressed early. And then as soon as they saw how good Tormenta was with their speed and their passing, they said, hey, you know what? Let's not press and let's actually stay back and get more bodies back there. Um, so I think that's what they did. And I think they successfully accomplished their goal, right? I think that they were hoping that maybe they can catch him on a counter. Um, Steve St. Duke came in, subbed in in the 78th minute and had a good cross that looked like, you know, that might've been a chance for Lansing. Um, but also too, Lansing's techniques of just getting down the line and crossing, it was never going to work against Tormenta. Josh Phelps had nine clearances. Um, uh, Ricky Espen didn't do anything, right? Like no shots on goals, no no uh, headers. He had won one of his headers out of the five. And so it just wasn't going to work. But I do want to shout out Reese Williams, who played extremely well, three tackles, two clearances, was won 10 of his 14 duels, which is amazing against Tormenta, right? Because that's how you beat them. Uh, but the issue was eight crosses, none of them unsuccessful. What a surprise. Lansing, <laughs> Lansing crossing the ball unsuccessfully. Who would have yeah. thought? You know, so, meanwhile, on the other side, right, Connor Antley, you know, uh, you know, man who uh, we interviewed on this podcast, he, uh, you know, he got down and attacked pretty well, and he actually had four crosses, but also all of them were unsuccessful. I mean, it was like it was like everyone was clogging the box in this match, and everyone wanted to make sure that that the other team didn't score, which of course you always want to do, but that also created this uh, this environment where you know you couldn't Lansing couldn't score in the counter, but at the same time, you know, Tormenta was not dangerous going forward either because you know they, they, they like I agree like Gomez had a hundred passes right a hundred passes just him. Nine percent yeah. passing accuracy but <laughs> most of them were sideways and backward right yeah. they weren't they weren't forward and they weren't dangerous line splitting passes so yeah. elliot any last thoughts on uh, on this match um well this is especially for western i feel like lansing probably would have won this game if my boy nick moon would have started <laughs> Just not I, don't, that idea. I don't even think it makes a difference like lansing had eight touches in tormenta's box the whole game you're just you not giving yourself any chance to win a game with eight no, touches. No, I mean, definitely not. Like I feel like like I'm looking at the formation, and it said it was like a three four two one. I feel like that's a complete and utter lie. Like I feel like the formation was probably like look a back seven. It was like, a it was more no, looked, sorry, a little bit more like a five four one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did look more like a five four one for but, sure. But shout out to like I said, Cleveland. I think really is the one who's the MVP of my game in this, just because Alex Morrell was everywhere created four chances and three of those was in the final 20 minutes and between him and Charlie Dennis who Charlie Dennis had two amazing chips in the second half both which could have led to goals but again were saves from Cleveland one from a header and one from a one-on-one that he took from I believe it was Coutinho's feet um I it's just I, I think I think goalkeepers were dominating this weekend you got to give them props right they don't get props too often and I think they were ones that saved points this weekend yeah all right. Now headed to actually what's a week 10 match, a match that was at four o'clock this afternoon, Eastern time. Uh, uh, it was up in Toronto. It was Toronto FC two scored three goals against North Texas soccer club who only scored two North Texas was messed with 
by Toronto. And we had uh, goals in the 12th minute by uh, Patrick Bunk Anderson. Uh, Matt Shirley uh, high pressed up the pitch very high, uh, very high, won the ball. I, I Actually, I want to talk about this goal in particular with you guys in a minute. Um, but Ricardo Pepe pulled one back right before the, uh, right before the buzzer at halftime. Uh, then Damas scored in the 56th minute to level things up. And, uh, and you know, you're, hey, Elliot, your boy Muhammad again. Uh, you know, he scored the game winner in the 77th minute. It was a very nice chip from um, – uh, who, who was the midfielder who chipped it? Remind me. Um, oh, Schaffelberg. Right. So Schaffelberg, actually, the striker. Yeah, Schaffelberg made a nice chip to Mohammed. Yeah, he's got to be, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a a uh, uh, nice chip to Mohammed, who uh, who definitely finished in the upper right corner. But um, – you know, I, I don't have the stats for this game. We didn't quite have time. You know, uh, everything was was crazy given that this game only uh, blew the whistle a couple of uh, an hour or so ago. Um, Bunk Anderson's goal happened off of a set piece corner kick. Um, it looked to me like actually there was a um, a North Texas player was fouled in the box, which wasn't called, which allowed the ball to come back in to uh, Bunk Anderson, who was at the far post. You know, the, 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 did either of you guys think that there wasn't a foul? I mean, there were there were North Texas players falling left and right in the box. Yeah. No blood, no foul, baby. <laughs> No blood, no foul. I mean, you got to play to the whistle, though, right? Like, I kept yeah, no, I that today with North Texas. Um, even in the third goal, they were claiming offside. I I hate that. And you saw that in the Lansing game. I don't know who it was, but on that Charlie Dennis ch- uh, chip, to, I can't remember who it was, Coutinho or uh, yeah, Leto, yeah, yeah, he, was he was literally just looking at the ref and holding his hand up when he was the closest to the ball. And it's just like, just finish the play. Like you play to the whistle. They're not going to go, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. That was an offside. I no, don't know. Definitely what. not. It's not like you but had yeah, you know. There definitely were bodies following everywhere. It's just that. You know, when you don't, this is like you said, we don't have VAR. So the ref, ref isn't blowing the whistle. You just got to keep playing. And then maybe she'll have a, con- a conference with her assistant referees and bring it back or he'll have a conference. But yeah, no, you, they should have just kept playing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do. I do see it was pretty physical in the box. I just can't tell who ran into who. And Okay. And Jason, since you're a goalie, we'll, we'll talk about this a little <laughs> bit. What, what was North Texas thinking? They played the ball back between center back mm-hmm. and keeper three times, three times at, there were two, uh, there were two TFC players within three yards of the center back who was receiving the ball. Meanwhile, there were two fullbacks who were both on the screen. You could see them. They were near the touchline. If the keeper had just, you know, put the ball out to one of the fullbacks, that goal would have been avoided completely. But instead, the ball's taken away from the center back. Sherbley gets the ball, and he, you know, it's a nice finish because he he had to do some work, and he's shot from about 20 yards out. But uh, but nonetheless, that was created because of the high press on the center back instead of North. I mean, obviously, North Texas wanted to play out of the back and wanted to play build-up play, which I get, but you don't have to do it right up the middle. See, so what I think they were doing, if you watch what they did today, they they tried to play over top all game and they did score their goal with Pepe. Well, it was short, short long, right? It was short, short right. long. That's so how I they think, uh, played for so sure. I think that's what they were trying to do and bring absorb in all of that pressure in the middle to open it up so that they can go ahead and get a long ball into the middle and then try to hit uh, Pepe who was getting behind the line. Um, but no, Toronto Shufflesburg again handled that super well. And because Shuffleberg is so physical, 
And I think that's another part of it too, right? Usually, usually you're not going to get a physical one-on-one against a center back and knock him off the ball, but Jacob does that. He's just a, a wrecking ball everywhere he goes, and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think Jada has the better feet anyway, so I don't know why you wouldn't pass it to the side to him. Um, but like I said, I think maybe they were just trying to absorb pressure into the middle to free up that midfield. Ellie, did you, have any, did you have a chance to see any of this match? Yes, I did. I actually – I was watching the um, Europa League final, and I s- switched over when I saw it was 2-2 t- Toronto to actually a better game. Um, <laughs> yeah, particularly in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that, totally better. Um, North Texas, to me, seems to be like the cardiac kids. Because the second week in a row, even though the goal was disallowed, they scored at the 90th minute. They still had another chance at, what, the 95th, 96th minute? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but these guys are getting chances left, right, and center. Um, well, and, and both both Ricardo Pepe and uh, Schaffelberg both hit the post in this match. And and uh, Jason noted also the same post, uh, as it turns out. So that, that, post, and, that post is a very and, good goal. And well, the thing, too, is Toronto scored off of that, right? So Pepe hits the post. It bounces back. Toronto get the ball run down and that's when they end up scoring a goal off of that. And I think that I'm not saying they figured no, it you're out. I think into the Schaffelberg one. No, and then Schaffelberg hit the post. North Texas went back. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. 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 You're right. yeah. In the second half. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think, so when you look at what Toronto did early, they pressed, right? They had three steals within the first three minutes and they had great one touch passing um, down the side, which led to – so in the 11th minute, that led to a corner, and then that's what led to the first Toronto goal because that corner went in, was rebounded back out, and then they scored. So one thing that, that Toronto did, and I think if teams are listening, you might want to try, is they didn't let North Texas get into their groove, and they didn't do that by pressing but by also went winning the ball and getting corners. So North Texas is at their best with buildup when they're in full stride. But if it's coming off of corner kicks, if it's coming off of shots on goal, and it's coming off of a press that far back, they're not going to be able to build up in stride. They're going to have to send it back and pass it down the sides, which is when they pass it to their center back who gets in trouble and loses the ball. Um, so that was yeah. one thing I noticed. And I don't know if, you know, that because when you look at all of North Texas goals, they can score in any way. But when you go back and look at the ones they scored when they're scoring three goals uh, per game, two of them are usually with buildup, and it's full stride buildup, right? You have Jada give the ball to Gomez or whoever Arturo, whoever comes back for the ball, and then that first pass he does is a through ball to someone already in full stride. So if you can stop that, then it looks like North Texas has a little bit of difficulty getting up the field and really getting into their groove. Go ahead, yeah, Elliot. Go. Oh, yeah. For this game, um, you know, of course, I was doing a little bit of scouting because we played North Texas on Saturday. And the player that seems like – I know everyone has their eyes on Pepe because he's the one that's scoring. He's a very young age. He's a great player. But it seems like North Texas plays a lot through, for what I can see, Rodriguez. Arturo Rodriguez, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the play goes to him. So it seems like what Toronto did was pretty much isolate him. Was like, hey, look, we'll let you get the ball to your feet, but you're not going to make the next pass. And if we did try to make the next pass, there was always someone there to kind of, you know, shut down his options. That's so he kind of like, he ever second the ball back. I think that's a very astute observation because I think what in this match in particular, we can go back and talk about 
uh, North Texas missing Brandon Cervania because when you have Oturo and Brandon Cervania, it's hard to shut both of them down. And they yeah. are very similar players with the ball at their feet and being able to hit those, you know, very nice, um, you know, very nice passes and find those guys on the run, right? Where, you know, you can't, you you don't. It seems like North Texas might not have a kind of a third option for that, right? So, so I think you're, I think you're 100 right, uh, Elliot. So, Elliot, talk, uh, sing the praises of Muhammad, huh? I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, that kid. If I'm not, look, I'm gonna put my hand out there right now. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm gonna take a spicy take. He's gonna get called up for at least three Toronto 18 games this season. He's gonna get called up for at least three. He's gonna play in at least one. That kid, LA. That's not that's not such a spicy take. I I can totally see that, right? I mean, Toronto. You know, they're not having a great season, and he's solid. Yeah, for what I saw him on that left hand side, like he seems very in control of the ball. Um, Could be a little bit better in the crossing, but besides that, his interplay playing up and down the wing, it seems great to me. Like he seems to be. I don't know if he's the captain for Toronto FC, but if he's not, he needs to be because he seems like their best player on the field. Well, he was also one of the only people this year, too, to slow down Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo Damas because he did have the rebound goal. But at, like watching them go at it on the right side, it was so much fun today. It was so much fun <laughs> to go at it. And he, he held it down. And the thing about him is he's a two-way player. So not only can he shut down uh, all, you know, someone offensively, then he can take the ball and go down the line himself and send in crosses and make those chances. Um, one thing I want to note though, we were talking about Arturo Rodriguez. They shut him down as good as a team can do, but I'm not going to sit here and say that they shut him down because if you watch that game, he can, he's first and foremost, he's North Texas best player. And it's not, don't even sit here and debate that with me. He's their best player. Oh, no. Right and you won't get no debate out of that. He, and the reason why is because he can create his own chances, right? So when you look at the 65th minute, he beats two guys on the ball, and he has a great shot on goal, but the Toronto keeper just had a great save. And then when they scored the second goal, or from when he scored the goal, it was from doing that. It was from him getting the ball, taking it 30 yards himself, and then giving himself a great shot at the goal. It was saved, but then Damas was there to rebound it. So I, I think they did a great job stopping him, but I, I'm not sure there's any team that can actually stop him. Fair enough. Hopefully Any- we can. <laughs> <laughs> also, hopefully. Last yeah. note, 13 offside for uh, North Texas. Not good. Uh, no, I think it was 14 in the end, actually. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, last one? Was, yeah, there was yeah. actually 14. Because it was one and two. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there were 14. And I think uh, TFC was offside two or three. So, yeah. um, I mean, it was – yeah, there were definitely off uh, – there were definitely a lot of offside calls in, in this in this. Match and I think they tried that. to – I think they tried to trap – I think they they were doing yeah. a lot of offside trap, and you saw that the Pepe goal uh, was it uh, Anderson get a yellow card for being so upset and uh, yelling out, but <laughs> he was mad at himself because I think he tried to trap Pepe and he was late, and that's when Pepe got around him and scored the goal. Yeah, that uh, was the, that was the one thing about this game. If North Texas had played had played us some of their through balls just a half a second earlier, they would have been onside on a couple of those and would have been some more dangerous chances. Yeah. For sure. So where did that? 
so after we're not going to count uh, we're not I we're not going to count this afternoon's game yet because that's a week ten match. But after week nine on points per game, North Texas still stands at the top uh, with two point seven points per game. Tormenta with two points per game. TFC will go up a little bit after today's match, but uh, they were in third. And you still have basically between third and uh, and seventh. Um, excuse me, and and yeah, and seventh, you have uh, basically it's like one and a half. Uh, it's less than it's one game. Basically, one win would propel you up into the standings and points per game. So, uh, forward Madison still having some struggle, struggles. So is Lansing. Uh, OCB still at the bottom, but with today's win, uh, you know they'll jump over forward Madison uh, in points per game uh, unless forward wins uh, wins handily on the weekend. I feel like uh, it's only three teams scoring all the goals in the league, right? <laughs> North Texas, Toronto, yeah. Tormenta, and uh, Lansing are like the only ones scoring all the goals. So after week nine, you had three teams with positive goal differentials. So uh, North Texas had a plus nine, Tormenta plus six, and FC Tucson plus one. Uh, before today's match, TFC two had a zero goal differential. So uh, yeah, basically you have three team, four teams scoring all the goals, and then TFC had a lot of goals scored against them as well. Um, interestingly, you know, I just want to point something out. So one of the if if you just look at the independent teams and take away the four two sides, so you take away Tucson, uh, Toronto, North Texas, and OCB, um, it turns out that in in if you were to create a table just for the six independent teams. Chattanooga Red Wolves would be at the top of that table right wow. now. That, That's <laughs> wow. wow. So they, they oh, well, all okay. three all three of their wins have come against uh, have come against independent. I'm, I'm going to use my SPSS analysis and analytical brain to say that they've probably when you when you look at those independent teams, they probably a have had the most home teams and have b probably uh, played the lesser of the of those independent teams at home. So they've. Yeah, oh. I don't. I don't have the matches right in front of me, but uh, I mean that's possible. I mean, remember they only have. Three oh, you talking talk about for Chattanooga? I'm yeah, Chattanooga. Um, they three beat Ford at home. Losses. They beat uh, Tormenta at home. Drew gets Ford and beat Greenville at home. So there you go. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, it's still. I thought. <laughs> I thought interesting when I created it. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. No, that is. You should. You should tweet that out. Uh, yeah, I did actually on Monday. So, um, we can, we can, we can we retweet that. I think I will. I'll go yes. back and retweet it. Cool. Uh, okay, so let's. Uh, before we get the questions, let's quickly preview this com- this coming weekend's matches on Friday uh, evening. We have uh, FC Tucson against Orlando City B. On Saturday, it's Chattanooga Red Wolves versus TFC2. Uh, there's a couple of players, one player in each team, who uh, if they get one more yellow, they'll be suspended for the next match. Uh, Greenville versus South Georgia Tormenta. Um, uh, Micheletto, if he gets another – he got another yellow today, actually, uh, uh, right? So is, Wait, is that right? Or, or no, I'm the, sorry. It was, it was a replay I watched. Um, <laughs> uh, so he got another one this – past weekend so if he gets one more yellow he'll be uh, suspended as well uh richmond plays north texas as elliot noted and madison uh hosts lansing um jason which of these matches if you had to choose just one match no nope. which of the five- to me because this is easily the most exciting weekend of matches that we've had since week one this is absolutely every single game this weekend is it going to be a great game. And y'all love saying, oh, okay, OCB's playing on. First and foremost, I guess OCB is 
required to play on Fridays. I don't understand how that works. But that's <laughs> well, look, they got to close because the park is busy on Saturdays because you can't play there. Yeah. So okay, but uh, OCB Tucson. I think that's going to be a high scoring game. I think that's going to be like a three three game. It's going to be entertaining. I'm excited for that. You got. Chattanooga at TFC two, which I think is going to be a great game because both of those teams are fighting for that last playoff spot. And I think that this is going to be a impactful win for whoever wins it, right? If TFC two can carry that momentum, then they're going to be the ones separating themselves on the table into that third spot. And then of course you've got Lansing and Madison playing the rivalry that, you know, that I want to see happen. I want to see the fans get into it. I want to see – listen, just because y'all are going to lose in North Texas this weekend doesn't mean you have to be upset. You, uh-huh. you got to understand that this is a – this is a I, Okay, so let me say this. Some people have asked me, like, who's the team that I hate the most in League One? It is Ford. It is that Ford particularly, but it's just the way how, like, League One, like, markets them as, like, the golden child. Like, they can do no wrong. And I'm like, oh, like, it's just annoying. But – it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be a great game. I think, like, I think culturally, though, like, like I said earlier, I don't know if you were here, but I think what Ford's doing is just so much fun, and like, they oh, have yeah. no, great like, atmosphere. Yeah. Like, that's going to be a fun, like, I, especially Lansing. I'm so excited to watch that game and just see how how hype that crowd is and how hype that stadium is. I think it's going to be a fun game and I think it's going to be physical. And I'm really hoping that this is like the first game to really jumpstart that rivalry. I want like eight yellow cards. I, I want it. I want a fun game. Man, if it's anything like that Greenville Atlanta game, where was it like four red cards or like three red cards? Three red cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, look, we're in for a great game between those two. If it's anything like that game. Yeah. So, Elliot, what does uh, what does Richmond have to do to you know basically do what TFC did, right? So, nick a result from uh, from the high flying North Texas guys. Pray. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, no, honestly, I think it comes down. You got to enough preachers down there, man. I'm sure you can. Probably <laughs> so. Uh, what it really comes down to is our ability to believe in what Coach Bulo is doing. Not saying that the guys don't, but just. You know, after the tough stretch of games that we had, you know, the Greenville game, we were in it. And Jackson scores a goal two more inches to the right is a draw. The OCB game, you could tell we looked slow. We looked lethargic. And even Bulo pointed it out. I think the thing about it is, is that we have to learn. And we even talked about it on our podcast, is that we want to see the team take the next step. Because we see the team's already comfortable with playing out of the back having multiple passing passing options and things like that. But now we want to see what's the next step because in three straight games, teams have pretty much just cut off a half of the field and just was like, look, you're not getting past the halfway marker without, you know, bombing it forward. You're not going to pass through us. So I'm pretty sure Aqua will be back in center back. I'm pretty sure he's going to be the main guy on Pepe. Um, Maxi would probably be in the middle of the midfield. Gallardo, he's going to need to step up. Uh, he's kind of been non-existent the last two games. But I don't want to put all the burden on him to be our main scoring option. I really feel like Jackson needs to have a breakout performance this game. And then not so much as him scoring goals, but him completing those passes, him making those runs to stretch the defense so that Mwape, Locker, being Gallardo has space to run into. You guys need to be physical. If you watch that's, the that's one thing, game, too. And that's I, one thing that I'm really hoping that Nwape is not – if I see Gallardo and Nwape in the middle of the midfield and not Nwape out on the wings, 
I feel like what Bueller's going to do is put Hughes at midfield, probably put Bodoc there too, and then put Gallardo up as striker and just be like, look, the three of you, Maxi, Bodoc, and Hughes, you have free reign to be as physical as you want. And that's what I'm really hoping I see. That Isn't that something that Brendan Troyer could maybe do even a little bit better than, than Bodoc? Or, uh, I mean, yeah. just, I mean, I've always – I think I've liked him when he's played those few times for, for Richmond being a little bit more central. But, um, you, you know, you want to you want to help deal with Pepe, but you also have to deal with uh, um, uh, with Ronaldo uh, Damas as yeah. well. So, so I mean, um, you have to put someone out there. Like, I do feel like if Troy – is this the game that Troy starts? <clears throat> My bad. I felt like it would be this game because I can see Troy playing on that left spot right there where um, Ronaldo kind of plays up. I feel like he would come into that spot. If not, then I could see him kind of playing being a midfield partner to uh, Maxi, and that's yeah. something that I, I've we've seen Troy kind of do it before. My joke with Mac, with Troy is that he's probably really slow, so I don't know how fast he's running, but he seems like he has the ability to get there and shut someone down when need be. Um, <laughs> honest, I mean, besides that, we just we have to execute. You know, we have to be able to recognize the situation of not just paying, playing it in the back just because and knowing, like, look, hoof this ball long. And when you get kind of like what um, Tucson did to us, they kind of hoofed the ball long. And then if they didn't get the knockdown, they kind of just started pressing that way. And if we, I feel like we could do that in North Texas. Yeah, it's kind of bringing what we're doing. But if it's not like that, we can do that not in terms of like this is our foundation tactic, but in terms of this is something that. We're throwing at a curveball to a young North Texas team, even though they're very talented. They're still a young team, so put some elbows in their side, man. That's all I'm saying. I looked at hey. I looked at Rodriguez next to Okello today, and it was like uh, watching me and my giant, whatever that film was. I think with Billy Crystal or somebody. It was. Look, if there's anyone with them, <laughs> if there's any two players in this game that I'm scared about getting a red card, it's Aqua and Maxi. Because I know how physical they can be. Yeah, I can see Maxi getting one. <laughs> yeah, I can just see Maxi right now, like getting pissed off with Pepe and just flipping him full body. And I, and I wouldn't yeah. even be mad because I'm like, you probably did something. <laughs> Well, I have to say, I, I agree with you, Jason. This is a great slate of games, and uh, you know, I put you on the spot because uh, you know it's it's would be it's going to be really hard to choose yeah. like, if if you have to. But I think we have a plus, and we can watch a replay. So, yeah. Madison and Lansing, if I have to choose, just because I think that atmosphere is going to be wild. Yeah, I think I I think the uh, the Greenville uh, uh, you know Tormenta one. I know you know the league ones have to be a a big rivalry, but I, I think also just where they where Greenville is in the standings, they really have to go for it. Like they can't afford to drop, you know, more than uh, more than. I think it kind of is too now. Like they've been very chippy. It's always been competitive games. If you, when that U.S. Open Cup game, they were going at each other those last 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, yeah. Open Cup games will do that to you, you know. And and right now, um, you know, we'll 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 see where we are. When we uh, finish the finished recording, uh, where the St. Louis Madison uh, Madison matches, which is quite close right now. Um, so anyway, with that, Jason, uh, we had a couple of fan questions. You want to read off the uh, read off the first I did. one? So that Canadian soccer dude, well, I should say, formerly known as Canadian soccer dude, he is now uh, TFC two in D three. Um, he asked about bringing Zaid off the bench. As that Alan Gordonist type player, and is that something that Chattanooga should be doing moving forward? 
my my personal view on that is I think he's too dangerous to to do that. I think he has to be on the pitch longer for Chattanooga to have any serious goal scoring threat because they don't have someone else other than Beatty who is is a serious threat for them. I think. I mean, Elliot, do you have a different opinion or? Do, do uh, I can see why you want to bring him off the bench, but then it's like you're losing you're losing one of your best attacking threats if you do that. But I feel like if Chattanooga is going to go with this whole defensive style and Zion's probably not going to get his chances, where if you bring him off the bench and you're like, look, we got 30 minutes, go make an impact, you got free reign, he might have a better impact there than saying, like, look, we're playing very defensive for 90 minutes, you might get one or two chances, where in 30 minutes, if you tell him just to be all out attack, he could probably get you three or four. So I can see why you want him to come off the bench, but it's not like Chattanooga has a striker or another attacking midfielder that give it the same offensive output as what Zion was giving them. If if they had another striker, I'd be down for it. And I kind of don't hate it. I think it's it depends on the team you're playing. And like you said, it depends on what they want to do uh, tactically because right now, Cito has more shots than Zaid. So... If you're going to play the crossing game and just want to get the Zaid, that's fine. But if you're actually trying to play up the middle and create chances and need people to shoot the ball, then maybe Zaid's not the best person to have out there doing that, right? And then you have this dramatic moment where he gets to come on. It gives the team an adrenaline boost, and who knows what can happen. And maybe that's something that they need to do anyway because with his age and with all these games, playing him 90 minutes per every single game he might you might you might not be getting the most out of him by doing that, right? So you play him ninety minutes for two games in a row, and then that third game have him come off the bench uh, to play the last twenty minutes and see if he can you know make some magic happen. <laughs> Fair enough. And Jason, we had one more question. You said, yeah. Uh, so our boy Weston from uh, Capital Combustion. Oh, is he upset that we didn't invite him back to this week? Uh, he definitely probably. Uh, wouldn't mind me roasting him about uh, no shots on goal and uh, his whole, oh, no, yeah, I think that uh, what, uh, that Ricky would be better up top than Alex Bruce. Yeah, no. And, nah, and Capital he, Combustion, by the way, uh, so along with River City 93 and Capital Combustion, uh, you, you know, two great uh, League One uh, podcasts to uh, be found at bgn.fm. But great guy, also a great troll. He's going to be at the Lansing Madison game front row. So we're going to get him on camera and he's going to be holding up a sign. And he asked us, what should he put on that sign? Oh, <laughs> oh, man. So, Elliot, well, I'm, we're putting, we're putting you guys on spot, but let's, let's uh, go ahead and see what you could come up with. I got to say hashtag roast Mingo. Roast Mingo. Okay. Man. I don't know. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of something creative. You're not the best in the league. Probably, probably something real. I don't know. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. Yes. Probably Big Moon needs. Okay, to well, well so, so Jason, you, you've had longer to think about this than the ten seconds that Elliot yeah, had. Exactly. So, what did you come up with? I, I really hour? so so I, I was thinking about it, and then I got called on in a meeting. Uh, <laughs> for not paying attention, and then so you've had a full three hours to think about this question. D- yep, and have not thought of one. Trash. So what we're going to do? <laughs> what we're going to do is by Friday we will all put 
on our through the League One Fun Twitter account, and we'll tag everyone what we think should be on the sign. This way, you guys get time, and then we'll <laughs> give Weston a day to put it on his sign before he goes to the game. Sound good? Works with me. Sounds <laughs> good. Okay, we're gonna do a little something a little bit different today. In the last couple of minutes here, um, I put together five trivia questions, and I, I know just from some of our discussion today that that maybe some of these are too easy for these guys. Um, so let's hope so. I have in our show notes what the questions are, but the answers are on this sheet of paper that I'm not going to show you the, uh, the, the results of. So first, Elliot, since you're our guest, I'm going to start with you. Elliot, what team do you think has the worst shot-to-goal ratio? So the number <sighs> of goals divided by the number of shots. You would ask this to a social studies teacher knowing that I suck at math. Well, except I have to know that you know at least oh. the numerator. So that's the top number of this answer because you mentioned it earlier in the show. Oh, God. I did? Oh. <laughs> uh, um, you know what? I'm going to go over the will and I'm going to say Orlando City B. That's a good guess. They were second with 7% uh, shot to goal ratio. What do you think, Jason? Probably the team that can't score a goal to save their lives, Greenville. You got at it. Least, yep. At least Chattanooga can score. Greenville, they have five goals in 118 shots, and <laughs> it's compared to OCB, who has oh. nine goals and 122 shots, at least before. Uh, I was going to say, if Orlando didn't have such a good game last week, then they probably <laughs> they probably were in last <laughs> place. So. <laughs> That's quite true. Okay, our second question. So, Jason, this question goes to you. What okay. team? Uh, this is this is like a a, a no brainer, actually. Maybe I'll give this one to Elliot too. Uh, what <laughs> team has the most clean sheets? Is that a no brainer, Rich? It's gonna. It's, it has to be Tormenta because I think Tormenta has five, and I think Richmond only has four. I think they were tied last week, and then Tormenta went up because they drew 0-0, and y'all got smashed by a bunch of 16-year-olds. We did. <laughs> that, is that is 100% correct in your numbers. Right. Right. That, that <laughs> one was too easy. So I'll give you half a point for that, Jason. <laughs> okay, uh, great. Okay, Elliot, this one's to you. What player has the most clearances? What player? Oh, clearances? I thought you said crosses. I was about to answer. Uh, clearances? Let's see. Oh, no. <laughs> you, you can just pick one random person from across. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's the next question. So, Oh, clearances. Um, God, I'm trying to think of a team that's really defensive that sits back. Uh, this surprised me, actually. I was really surprised when I, when I saw this particular stat. I'll okay. give you a hint. It's from an independent team. Is it Ford? Yes. Someone from Ford. Uh, no more. Those are your, those are your two. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like that's probably all I'm going to get out of that. Uh, God, I'm trying to think. Who plays on the back line for Ford? It's a defender. Okay. That helps. Uh, <laughs> great oh, sorry. Sorry. No. No, no, no. All right. Do you, do you, want, do you want to pass this one off to Jason? I said, is it, isn't that Sean Russell? No, that's a good guess, though. Jason, oh, you, you, you want to take try. a shot? Oh, yeah. So I know for a fact it's Connor Tobin, but yeah, you're right. I'm in my head, I'm trying to do this. I'm no, no, no. I've because <laughs> I write all these articles and it's like Connor Tobin's averaging like eight clearances a game. It's okay. crazy. Yeah. So, um, 
through nine games, 44 clearances. Yeah. He by far is the number one. I'm and Akwe, is, is he still second? I know he was as of last week. He's second with like 36 or 37. So, yeah, the third. So I was like trying to quiz myself and guess the third, and I, I don't know. Um, um, the third. But but yeah. there were there were a bunch of people in the low 30s. There were a whole lot okay. of people in the 30s, yeah. Okay. okay, number four. Well, uh, Jason, this one goes to you. What two players have the most crosses? One of these you will definitely <laughs> guess, and one of these no doubt. Well, I, um, they, they, they have the same number, by the way. So. Oh, see, now you're trying to throw me off. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's not easy, right? No. Um, is one of them on Greenville? No. Okay, so that helps. Throw the whole question out. <laughs> that All was right. my guess. <laughs> Throw the whole question out? <laughs> yeah, throw the whole question out. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm going to go with Toomey because I know he crosses 20 million times and just doesn't connect. And then I'm also going to go Beatty. Okay, so you got half of that one. So okay. Beatty is correct. He has okay. 34 crosses. Uh, do you want to take a stab at the at the other one? I'll give you a hint. It's, again, it's someone else from an independent team, Elliot. <laughs> Uh, I'll give you the team. I can't give you the player. Is it someone off of Chattanooga? Uh, no, it's not. Not another Chattanooga player, as in uh, BD, but Robin Moshabani. Um, yeah, it's Toomey. Oh, God, that's that's Toomey's. Uh, that's his Toomey's his nickname. Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, I'm so not pop culture that. <laughs> No, no I was like, okay. I, I okay. had to be okay. because so you, you yeah. got it. So you got it. So, okay. so you, you get that point then, Jason. Cool. Okay, last question, Elliot. This one's for you. What player has created the most chances? And I will tell you that the answer is uh, that, that they've had 17 chances and again from an independent team. 17 chances. Independent Ooh, so independent team. Here. All of these players are from independent teams. Uh, is it Steven Beattie? Because I feel like he's the only attacking player in Chattanooga. So I feel like he has to create every chance. Uh, it's not, although that's a good guess. I think he was uh, fifth. Yeah, he was fourth or fifth. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you who was number uh, – so so Lucas Coutinho was number three with 16. Okay. And also at 16 oh, – excuse me, tied for second. Also at 16 was uh, Arturo Rodriguez. Uh, right. Oh, so, so I was going to say you said it was independent. It's it's crazy because no, so like, it's independent. That, those are not. Uh, no, I'm saying I'm saying you're saying number one can't be. So I knew it wasn't Arturo. But what's crazy was I was thinking that just because he had like twelve chances created <laughs> in, in like right. one game. So <laughs> like there's, I thought he'd be up there. Yeah. Okay. So, no, I have he, a guess, but I'll wait for Elliot. I don't know. I really thought it was Beatty. Okay. I did. I was on with Beatty. I do I, have one question. I was going to guess. I guessed myself when I asked myself this question earlier today that it was Gallardo, actually. So um, I was trying oh. to trick. I was trying to trick you in there, but it turns out Gallardo, who I think, was was fourth. So Jason, yeah, I feel like Gallardo okay. has a bunch of goals, not assists. I'm going to try. This is an unconventional answer, but just because he did it again this week, I feel like Alex Morrell creates so many chances. That's a good guess too. So he was also in the low teens, but it was ah, Charlie, Charlie Dennis from Toronto. Ah, there you go. Yeah, the, so, the, uh, the, the salsa man, the chip master. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, with that, uh, guys, any last comments? That's crazy that Morel Coutinho and 
Charlie Dennis are all up there on that chart. That's just yeah. wild of the production that Torment is getting. Yeah, it's nuts, right? So they just create so many chances. That's why they're so dangerous, right? That's why yeah, they're they are. At the top of the table. Elliot, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at River City 93. Also, real quick, uh, we have partnered with not River City 93, but the supporters group. River City Red Army has partnered with Pride Razor. So if you want to, if you're a Richmond Kickers fan and you want to donate, uh, you can go to Pride Razors there. Um, you can also find me on my personal Twitter, is that guy Yogi. Um, pretty much spelled as what it is. That's pretty much where you can find me at. Yeah, on that score too, June is Pride Month. So uh, look for some stuff out of the USL show about uh, for Pride Month in June. I believe that uh, um, that Evan from the USL show is going to be putting out some content related to that. Um, some really cool stuff uh, for diversity and inclusion and, uh, and, and Pride. Uh, with that, Jason, where can people find you? Home sweet soccer. And uh, I don't know how much I'll be live to you. I know this is supposed to be the most exciting week that we've had in a while. And <laughs> of course, it's like the one week where I probably won't be able to live tweet. But uh, I'll definitely be filling your timelines with stats and analysis throughout the week. Awesome. And I can be found at, at Ira Jersey on Twitter. And with that, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out all of the great content at bgn.fm for other podcasts having to do with USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, MLS, and much more, as well as written content. Uh, you'll find uh, you'll find Jason and my stuff on there uh, periodically as well. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice to get your custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And, of course, thank you to Roughneck Scarves. By the way, the only thing I asked for for my birthday was a scarf from every USL League One team. That so I'm, I'm hoping we, I'm we, draped in scarves when I come back here uh, next week because my birthday's on on Sunday. But uh, RoughneckScarves.com is the official scarf supplier of Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and US Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com. And with that, we'll say goodnight. Oh yeah, y'all better put y'all foot on their necks. I want three red cards. I want a zero-zero game. <laughs> Look, man, we and my co-host <laughs> was talking about it on the preview, and we were just like, "Yo, if, if we don't win this game, like, I need the team to be completely physical, like, <laughs> complete no blood, no foul. That, that's what I need us to be. If you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose with eight players on the pitch. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Like, I need Bulo to cuss everyone out <laughs> because everyone got a red card. That's that's that's, that's what I hope to see this weekend. Bulo, if a game gets out of hand, I need to see you get ejected, my guy. I need to see you get out of there <laughs> and get in the faces of the players, the refs, anybody. Let's let's make this happen. Look, he came close against uh, Orlando City. He came close. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope Richmond has a fine fund because, you know, I just don't want these players to have to take it out of their pockets. <laughs> <laughs>